Travel for Treatment has been around for a long time, but despite its potential to deliver high-quality care at significant savings, it hasn't really caught on outside of large companies. Will recent innovations and new facilities change that? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Jim Paulsfoot. Jim is CEO and Chairman at North American Specialty Hospital. He has a really unique perspective on travel for treatment. It's something he's studied a lot and done a lot of research on. And we know treatment for travel, travel for treatment rather has been around for a long time, but there are some innovations and some updates and some very important industry impacts. And Jim is the guy we wanted to, to chat with about that. So with that, welcome, Jim. Thanks very much, David. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks. Um, what are some of the problems at, at a base level that travel for treatment has been trying to solve? Well, David, it's an amazing dynamic in the United States that we have such a capacity for high-quality health care. But unfortunately, we sort of succumbed to a, a dysfunctional delivery system. And so especially employers, now mostly being self, self-funded or self-insured, are facing really two problems, inconsistent and unpredictable quality and extremely high price. And so they're beginning to seize the reins a bit. They're beginning to step forward. They don't want to be involved in all the administration. That's why the traditional insurance companies are now acting as third-party administrators mostly. But they do want to be involved in trying to have uh, a higher expected quality outcome at a much more reasonable price. So, But that's one of the differences, isn't it? For a long time, the decision-making process was focused more around cost than quality, and yet you've mentioned quality a couple of times just in the short time we've been chatting. Is that starting to change? Well, I think that employers have always cared about that. But the dynamic, though, was that it was all managed by a third party. It was managed by an insurance company, and it was sort of off in the corner someplace. And uh, issues related to quality for their employees and their health care impacted return to work and productivity and things of that nature. But now that in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, as there's been this transgression, this uh, transition to being self-funded, these employers now are much more, much closer to what's happening b- based both on the quality outcomes. They're seeing it because they're paying for it directly. It's coming out of their net income, their net, net profit for that company. And also, of course, they're very much top of mind related to the price. So those two areas are what's driving this 
and what's making this this change. And companies like J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon, when they announced a couple of months ago that they are joining forces and they're going to do something dramatic related to healthcare, it's because of those two forces, both quality and price. And that's where travel for treatment does enter the picture as we lead into that mechanism as a solution. Is quality something that that helps drive engagement? We've talked about the employer perspective a little bit so far, but from an employee perspective, when they're making a choice, the easy thing has got to be to go where their doctor sends them. The easy thing has got to be to go to their neighborhood hospital. Is is quality something that resonates more when you're asking patients to choose a different facility? I wish that that patients in the United States or employees or, or Americans in general understood better the inconsistency in quality. Because I think, David, the answer to your question is, I'm not sure that they are as motivated as they should be in participating in this decision, factoring in quality as much as they probably are focused on price. The employer is focused on price a lot as well because it's coming out of the expense for healthcare is coming out of their net income, as I mentioned, because they're self-funded. But they much more thoroughly understand the quality focus uh, and the quality dimension of all this because they have benefits managers and HR managers who are paid to study this and be informed and to look at the data and the metrics and things of that nature. So the employers surely care about this. The employees of the patients, I don't think yet fully understand the, the differences in quality, but that's changing too. Most states, like the one where I live in Colorado, are coming forth with increased regulation for transparency and performance metrics and what have you, so that uh, hospitals in, in these individual states are required to do a better job of, of making this information public so the general public can be more informed in quality. I don't think they are as much as they uh, should be yet, but I think that's changing. So how do you get engagement? Is it a question of incentives? Is it a question of perhaps rewriting SPDs so that if there's a non-emergent procedure that there's a, a quote-unquote second opinion required where a patient or an employee, if you prefer, can chat with a clinician who explains their options? I mean, how, how do you start driving that? Well, it really does start in terms of the employee from the perspective of having what is likely to be a very high medical bill uh, coming forth for, yes, these elective procedures. And as much as NASH, the North American Specialty Hospital, which I direct, focuses first on quality, yes, to answer your question, consistent with my last answer, price is probably the entry point from the consumer standpoint. Because as you know, David, uh, unfortunately, the leading uh, cause of personal bankruptcy in the United States are healthcare bills. These medical charges that come in after uh, a knee replacement, for example, for someone who is in his or her 50s and needs to have a right knee replaced and then probably a couple of years after that, the left knee or what have you, the price of that, the impact to that family is enormous. We don't have enough savings in this country, but there's a number of dynamics here that are at play. But unfortunately, the medical charges are extremely high. Much of those are being transferred to the patient as much as possible through higher deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums and things like that. And then we have this problem of not having enough savings for a whole other sets of reasons. And so, yes, what happens with employers like Walmart and Boeing and Lowe's, when they set up their 
domestic travel for treatment programs in the United States, they offer that as a means for those employees to have a solution so that these medical bills uh, can be managed more reasonably. Uh, most of those employers waive the out-of-pocket for the expense of, a, let's say, a knee replacement altogether, and that's the incentive which uh, drives this. Quickly, I, I hope that they also focus on the quality aspect because that cannot be compromised. As a matter of fact, we believe that uh, when you travel for treatment, you oftentimes have enhanced quality and less inconsistency and that sort of thing. But it starts with price. And yes, you have to have the summary plan documents and others sort of in alignment to make that possible. But that's the incentive which attracts the interest of the patient. Quickly after that, the hospitality side is also very important because they'll never really appreciate, uh, we hope even, the quality that has been the focus when patients come to our facility in Cancun, for example. They'll never understand fully how much effort was placed on the quality dimensions of that because they don't see it. I mean, the patient literally is asleep during the surgery. So a lot of what we do is really invisible. What they do experience is the tremendous value of the incentive of having that uh, pocket waived, and then also just the enjoyment of the hospitality side. And we can talk more about that if you'd like. Well, but I mean, they do see it in in things like post-surgical infection rates and readmit rates and whatnot, don't they? Well, you know, uh, the answer to that is the employer does, but the patient kind of doesn't. It's a problem avoided. The uh, The best hospitals in the United States and what NASH tries to do with all of its performance metrics is to reduce the reinfection rate, for example, down just marginally, just a little bit for just that extra bit of avoidance of, a, of an infection, which then ultimately would lead in a knee replacement to, to uh, potentially to, to have a revision, have to do it all over again. When the patient comes down, has a wonderful experience and goes back and does 90 days of physical therapy through us and that sort of thing and never has that problem, the patient really doesn't know what was avoided because of all this extra effort. Now, the employer does because with as many cases that are underway, uh, potentially, the employer will see the impact you know, in a hundred cases, let's say, of that extra effort of of avoidance of of a problem like a, a reinfection. But the patient probably never does. What the patient sees is uh, good quality in terms of attention by the doctors and things of that nature. That's true, and caring nurses and what have you, and then a wonderful experience on site, especially I think with us in Cancun. But doesn't probably experience the the, the quality uh, as much as as one would expect or, or like because it's it's a problem avoided. So it's it's just like hospitals in the states. Patients don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But we make a major effort of of educating them before they travel with us, and we have a booklet for knee replacement, for example, which is twenty pages long, and we we drive this uh, home to them so they understand how careful we are. And I think they, they get that and they appreciate that. Uh, and yet it's probably the price and the hospitality that they most remember. And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years experience working with healthcare and benefit clients. And over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, 
These groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health's solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. Now, you, you write extensively about this, and there's some interesting patient-centric innovations or, or fears that, that have been overcome or that we are in the process of overcoming. One of them is a fear of foreign surgeons. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, travel for treatment has been around for a long time, and mostly it was, it's been used from countries where you just can't get good quality. Maybe there's a, you know, literally a, a war zone or something, or the economy is so depressed that it's not possible to get good medical care. And so citizens who have some economic means in those countries travel to, to another country where good medical care can be realized. Now, though, from the United States, of course, there's excellent medical care that one can get in the United States, somewhat inconsistent, but, but excellent medical care. And so the travel for treatment from the United States in the past has really been sort of probably mostly for price, where a patient uh, has to self-pay maybe for a cosmetic surgery or, or what have you. But yes, it's been, it's been largely kind of a blind leap, a blind leap to oftentimes a faraway place to an unknown hospital with unknown physicians, unknown clinical protocols, no U.S. malpractice insurance coverage, no continuity of care. You don't know about the U.S. supplies and, and equipment or whether they're utilized or not. All those unknowns have made travel treatment in the past really something that hasn't caught on much for good reasons, including, as your question mentions, David, uncertainty about the doctor. Is the doctor trained or not? And how, how do you know? In the United States, with U.S. doctors, first of all, they're, they're down the street, so you get to know them before the procedure. And then there are all types of websites in the United States to track performance of, of U.S. doctors. And you can get an appreciation for what schools they went to, where they did their fellowships and that sort of thing. And for that reason, one of the innovations of the North American Specialty Hospital is to use U.S. physicians and who travel with patients from key cities around the United States. That sort of removes that whole impact of the question that you asked because the uh, patient here in Denver, for example, goes to a, a NASH rotating surgeon who's located here in Denver for the pre-op, uh, sees the same doctor in Cancun for the procedure, and then 90 days post-op for a knee replacement, for example, the same physician back locally again. And the other, the corollary, I guess, to that is that American patients want the U.S. hospital equivalent. How do you express that to them? How do you get them comfortable with, with knowing that facilities offshore are or are not, in some cases, U.S. equivalent hospitals? Well, in our case, almost every aspect of the Medicare, medical care delivery is from the United States. It's the ground under which the hospital is located is in a near shore uh, location in Cancun, easily accessible to uh, from airports all over the United States. But every other aspect, I mean, it's U.S. hospital accreditation through the Joint Commission International, as well as 
uh, scrutinized by us through Hospital for Shared Services. And LeapFrog, which is a major U.S. hospital evaluation company, is now uh, for the first time evaluating NASH as its first offshore uh, uh, site uh, for that kind of scrutiny. It's U.S. doctors, U.S. supplies, U.S. medical malpractice insurance, a U.S. hotels attached, uh, a Sheraton. So the, the way to get to that comfort, David, I think, is to provide the familiar. It's not necessarily better all the time. I don't mean to be at all uh, critical of the fine medical care that uh, are in hospitals all over the world. It's not just the United States that has the ability to provide fine medical care, including in Mexico, even without all the U.S. supplies and equipment and doctors. But it is the difference here is, is really uh, from two aspects, I think. First, the familiar is comforting. And so for U.S. patients to have U.S. doctors and U.S. supplies and that sort of thing just gives them a little bit of extra reassurance. To get a knee replacement is a big ordeal on its own. So anything that can be done to try to lessen the anxiety or what have you and, uh, is helpful. And so that's benefit number one. But number two is continuity of care. You, you want to be able to have continuity with uh, the preoperative phase, the operative phase, and the postoperative phase. And that's why having so much uh, of U.S. involvement for U.S. patients makes so much sense. One of the findings that you mentioned in, in a piece that you wrote is that American patients seem to like and get some comfort from going to what they know is a teaching hospital. Tell me about that. Right. Uh, that's a dynamic that's been underway here for quite some time. That leading edge innovation comes when uh, some of the best surgeons meet collectively in, in a city at a teaching hospital here in Denver, where I live, at the University of Colorado, for example, draws some of the, the top flight surgeons who come in and, uh, and rub elbows and share best practices and the knowledge that comes from the research and all the time and attention. We believe that has uh, real value at the North American Specialty Hospital. And that's why when we uh, set up our first facility in Cancun, we quickly looked for a partner that would be able to provide that element. One of the top medical schools in Mexico is called Anahuac, and it has a campus for uh, teaching physicians right there in Cancun, uh, about five minutes away or so from our facility. And so, yes, all of our surgeons that come from the United States and accompany the patients from local towns around the United States all come into Mexico as adjunct professors of Anahuac Medical School with some of the best minds uh, in medicine from Mexico right there in the same building with our physicians. And we do believe, as I think your question reflects, is, is a common sense in the United States that that level of engagement academically leads to, to better clinical outcomes because of the knowledge that's being shared. We've got about a minute left. We'd always like to ask our guests what they see in the future. So what do you see as the near-term and mid-term, however you define it, future of, of travel for treatment? I believe that Americans will increasingly realize that their employers are providing a, a real opportunity for them to find higher quality uh, opportunity in terms of medical outcomes at a much reduced price, and that this will become more and more familiar, and not just to places like Nash and Cancun, but 
uh, in the Cayman Islands, in Costa Rica, and other nearshore locations that are also working to try to solve the quality problem and the price problem. And that as those nearshore locations uh, continue to advance, the United States providers also, even within this country, will understand that we need to do better. We need to do better about more transparency uh, in terms of of medical outcomes, more transparency in the billing, more bundled billing so that it, uh, all these bills don't come in sequentially in chaotic order, and more attention on lowering price where we can. And everyone will benefit as that transition gets uh, underway. Great place to end our discussion for the day, Jim. We hope you'll come back as, as things change in the industry. Jim Polsfoot, CEO and Chairman at North American Specialty Hospital. Jim, thanks for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. My pleasure. It was uh, wonderful to be with you, David. Thank you. The Ship Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.